This week's episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by the NPM National Convention. NPM's 44th Annual National Convention will take place in New Orleans, Louisiana, this summer from July 27 to 30th. With both virtual and in-person attendee options, this year's convention provides options for your level of safety and comfort in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Join us for a week of prayer, connection, learning, and fun. For more information and how to register, visit npm.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 162 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello, we are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts every week. And hey, thanks for joining us. It's summertime, which means that many of us might be traveling or just have a little bit of extra time on our hands. Here at Ministry Monday, as we travel, maybe to the NPM convention, maybe otherwise, we are pulling out a book that made a big impact on us, Dear Joan Chittister. Dear Joan Chittister is a collection of letters addressed to its namesake, Joan Chittister, who is a Benedictine sister in Erie, Pennsylvania. Joan Chittister is known for her advocacy on women's rights, peace, human rights, and the renewal of the church. We spoke to Jesse Bazan, the editor of Dear Joan Chittister, in November of 2019 about this book. It was a short but sweet episode, and we think it's a perfect interview to replay today. And if you haven't added Dear Joan Chittister to your short stack of summer reading, we highly recommend it. Today I have with me Jesse Bazan, and Jesse, I'm so thrilled to be talking with you today on Ministry Monday. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you are going to be chatting with us today. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation, Amanda. It's great to be with you. Would you mind just giving us a little bit of background of who you are and what you do in relation to ministry in the church? 
Sure. So I'm a lifelong Catholic um, and was blessed to be educated by Dominicans in high school and uh, Jesuits at Marquette University, where I studied communications and writing um, and really fell in love with ministry at, in college and campus ministry. I spent three years working in liturgy and as a sacristan and just loved it and really felt a, a pull to do this ministry full time. So I ended up making my way after undergraduate work to St. John's University the School of Theology here in Collegeville, Minnesota. I've um, been working for the Collegeville Institute, an ecumenical uh, and cultural research center on two grants that are aimed at helping Christian congregations deepen their sense of calling. So these big life questions of vocation and calling are really what I'm immersed in throughout my day. It's just been a, a really wonderful gift. That's, that's fantastic. How long have you been doing what, you, what you're doing at St. John's? I've been here for about a year and a half. Um, and over that time, um, I've okay. also been writing for U.S. Catholic and then this Dear Joan book project that came about. So it's a really it's a great job that kind of allows me to explore the various callings uh, that I feel pulled towards. So um, but we've been working on this grant for about two, we're two years into a five year program. That's great. That's great. And you, you just mentioned the Dear Joan book project, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. That's kind of the, the bulk of our talk today. So Dear Joan Chittister, that is the book that you have worked on compiling. Uh, before we even get to the book, who's Joan Chittister? Right. Who's Joan, the, the prophetic woman that she is? My gosh. Joan is, a, a first and foremost, Erie Benedictine. Um, she would say that, that her community, she's been a sister for many, many years um, and part of the Erie Benedictine community. And over those years, she's become one of the most prophetic, profound voices for women in the church. Uh, New York Times bestselling author. She's called on internationally to speak on topics of, of justice and women's issues. So she's really influenced generations of people, men and women, um, as we continue to figure out what is this the messiness of just this church that we're in and how do we really contribute our whole selves to it. Your book in particular focuses on women in the church. What made you want to write and compile this book? So I went to uh, the Mount uh, in Erie two summers ago as part of the first annual Joan Chittister Institute for Contemporary Spirituality. It was uh, an invitation to women who had studied theology at the graduate level, who were in their 20s or 30s. So a pretty niche group of us all came together. There were about 10 or so of us who came and spent two weeks with Joan. And it was really incredible, Amanda, over those two weeks, we just were able to get into these really deep conversations about the challenges of our ministry, why we stay in ministry as Catholic women. Uh, and we found a real support among each other. And so as these two weeks were wrapping up, I was thinking, gosh, how do we keep these conversations going and even widen who is part of, of these conversations? Because we really found that this community was was becoming more and more important for us, for just helping us continue to do our ministry well. And so I wanted to find a way to continue that. So um, I'd suggested to the women who were there and Joan 
hey, what if we write a book together? I mean, the worst she could say is no. I thought it was kind of a long shot to ask Joan Chittister if she wanted to write a book together. But the, everyone, including Joan, said yes right away. Wow. So so for those, of course, who haven't read the book yet or really know anything about the book yet, like you said, it's a series of letters back and forth to the women involved and Joan Chittister. And it does have this, if, if it's okay for me to say this, it has this kind of, well, it has this vibe of dialogue, of course. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, one of the things that attracted me to your book in general is the casual but so profound nature in which important questions were posed to Joan. And so in in some ways it kind of, to me, it feels like kind of like you're reading a compilation of things that you would read in a magazine where people would write to the editor and say, I really enjoyed this, or I really didn't like this about the last article of a magazine. And so for that way, it was very easy to read. But then once you sink your teeth into the meat of what is said in these letters and the, the raw honesty of people just sharing their fears, their concerns, their anger, their hurt, their their pondering with Joan. It's so much more than than you know a letter to the editor with the magazine. So really, how many how many conversations are again in the entire book? There are about eighteen letters, and then Joan wrote back to each. Originally, wasn't I had just asked her to. I wanted to respect her time, and I had just asked her to write a little something at the end of each section. But she emailed me from Ireland one day uh, back in the winter when she was working on this book project, and she just said she was so taken by the questions and the the deep stories that these women were sharing that she wanted to respond to each of them. So it ended up being a longer book than we anticipated, but that was a real gift from Joan. Give us a little bit of an insight to those who are hearing about this book for the first time. Would you mind sharing one of your favorite conversations from the book, just kind of summarizing it? Yeah, there there was one in particular. So my friend Lisa, one of the co-authors, wrote this beautiful letter about her experience in graduate school, she was going through kind of a tough time and she met a woman named Chris while on retreat. And Chris was uh, quite a few years older than than Lisa, uh, but they just made this immediate connection. Uh, it was, sounded really powerful. And then about a month later, Chris was diagnosed with, uh, she, she started having seizures. And so she had to undergo a really major brain surgery and things were very up in the air. And Chris in her prayer leading up to the surgery, had decided she felt really called to ask Lisa and a few other women to offer a liturgy of healing. It it brought such joy to my heart to know that this woman had called forth these particular gifts in Lisa and that she was thinking creatively about liturgy, worship, prayer, that uh, I, that it stems from our Eucharistic celebrations on Sundays, and that the ways that we can then embody that prayer in our daily life going forward are so expansive. And so they created this this lovely liturgy of healing for Chris. And thankfully, the surgery went well. Chris is doing well today. But it was uh, it was a great story of this this intergenerational sisterhood between Lisa and Chris, and the ways that we can use our gifts liturgically and in ministry to really be agents of healing for each other. I think one of the things that touched me about that particular conversation too um, is the quote where um, Lisa says to Joan in this letter to Joan, she says, quote, 
I felt weariness and exhaustion from the challenges of existing as a lay woman in a male and clerical dominated seminary. Of course, she was she was in that that feeling and that mindset. And I when when she said that, there are so many moments where this this whole book just really truthfully, honestly, expresses my my concerns with the church as a woman. And so when she said that, I I said out loud, I was like, yes, like I <laughs> like I I so appreciated her honesty about that. But then what Chris taught Lisa in this story that I think helped me be at peace again with the brokenness that we as a church have in terms of um, gender roles and power and the, the struggle for women to feel heard and minister to the best of their abilities is um, Chris really m- emphasized this motto to Lisa the people of God are in need of my gifts. And that was the mantra that that she mentioned. And oh my gosh, to me, it was just like, it made me put my ego aside when I read that. And it made me think about the fact that yes, there are, there are issues, there is brokenness, there is a lot of hurt, especially in the Catholic church right now, not just as a woman, but as a follower, as a faithful person. But it doesn't matter whether I'm a man or a woman, the people of God are in need, in need of my gifts. And that to me is ministry. And so it helped me all in one chapter, you know, put voice to the the anger sometimes and the, the struggle I have as a woman in the church and help me reframe through Chris, you know, it helped me reframe what really is the most important in ministry. That's but That was a powerful conversation for me too other people might feel not so alone in that, that they might make a connection to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate hearing that mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. Yeah. I really, it was, it's been a very powerful thing and it's so ex- exciting for me to hear that you liked that conversation as much as I did too. Jesse, it's really been a joy for me to talk to you today. Thank you for the project of Dear Joan Chittister. Thank you for your work in the church and thank you for giving Sister Joan yet another opportunity to comfort and support all of the women who are ministering in the church today. Before we wrap up the podcast for today, I wanted to take this opportunity to spend just one more minute with dear Joan Chittister and read an excerpt from the book itself. This is taken from the book titled On Sisterhood. This is Joan speaking. I sat in the huddle of a dozen people, all analyzing the present state of national affairs, all concerned about the negativity and mean-spirited tone that now colors what was once called the American way. Most of all, the social deterioration that went with the culture wars worried everyone there. We were sitting at a table where one generation, whose lives had developed in a very different kind of society than is shaping younger generations now, judged the future of the country to be poor, very poor. Until, suddenly, the younger man to my left sat forward in his chair, raised his shoulders, straightened his back, and declared with full throat, Y'all are forgetting something. He said, and he paused thoughtfully. The women are coming. 
Just look at the numbers of women being elected to positions everywhere. And women are not going to allow this mess to go on. Well, if the education statistics are correct, more women than men are enrolling in college and going on for more graduate degrees or professional certifications than ever in history. If the rise in number of women politicians is correct, there is a clear presence of the women's agenda in public decision-making arenas now. If social trends are correct, most women now engaged in paid work as commonly and for as long as their male counterparts. And in addition, if self-reliance is still an American value, the younger generation is either marrying later or marrying less. Indeed, sisterhood and the community of female support, understanding, organizations, and goals that have emerged in the process are now a phenomenon, barely 150 years old in the making. For a confluence of reasons, higher education, social change, urbanization, and systems, women, too, for the first time in history, also meet, talk, plan, and figure out their lives together. From the women's suffrage movement to the Me Too movement, women have been searching out like-minded women to learn from, connecting with women leaders, and encouraging one another to become a force in society, independent of men, distinct from men, despite men everywhere in politics, business, education, and even the churches. And they are affecting every level, dimension, and direction of society with them. More slowly than they would like, surely, but faster than any previous generation, physically separated from the other, as well as the world, was ever able to do. Younger women today take things for granted. They have their eyes on positions and places of power. They want change, but not just any change. They want development that honors their own experiences and aspirations. They want to live fully human, human lives. They want to get the woman-man balance right. They want to be seen as disciples of Jesus, called to do a mission, even in the church. Then, they are amazed to find out that the glass ceiling is still a ceiling, even for them. Less visible now, yes, but no less there. The questions they are asking themselves as they go sound the knell. Tomorrow will no longer be a repetition of yesterday. They are bent on figuring it out for themselves. And so this dialogue is about it, between me and them. Dear Joan Chittister can be found on 23rd Publications website as well as Amazon. All proceeds of the book will go towards Sister Joan Chittister's fund to help and support women in the church. 
23rd Publications also offers free guides for small group work with the book, which can be found in the show notes of this episode. Still interested in the topic from today? Then here is your formation going forth for the week. We've selected one of Jesse's own articles for you to read from U.S. Catholic Magazine. The article is titled, This November, Find Your Communion of Saints. It's a great read during the month of November, as we still relish in the blessedness of all saints and all souls. The recording of Hallelujah is Our Song was produced by Spirit and Song, a division of Oregon Catholic Press. The recordings of In the Morning, In the Evening, and Water was produced by GIA Publications. Today's episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's all for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.